Hi friends, welcome to Chroma. If you're visiting us, you're really welcome. If you're back again, welcome back. <laughs> Lovely to see you guys. If you don't know, my name's Tim. I'm on the senior team here. I'm married to a lovely lady called Jess. She's about to have our third child in January. Fun times. Um, it was her birthday yesterday, 34. Oh, should I tell her? Should I tell that? She's 30 something, 30 something years old. We had a fun day celebrating, but you know like when you have like the immense fun with your kids, if you've got kids, and then the sleep time, it just goes up the wall slightly. So it was a fun night last night, after all the sugar from ZZ's, you know. We've been going through a series, if you've been with us regularly, uh, going through the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told. If you guys haven't seen The Chosen, watch The Chosen, especially like the, uh, the way they do this part is brilliant, how, he com- how Jesus composes this, um, how he thinks about it. Um, it's a really good way of understanding how he would have come to grips with this sermon that would have lasted a long time. They probably, he probably preached all day, actually, um, and this was the stuff they recorded. But um, we're going through this series on Sermon on the Mount, and I am going to talk to us today about fasting. Powerful. Just before Christmas, rock and roll, right? And last time I preached, I did personal injustice. So I'm getting stitched up right now. <laughs> I, I get all the hard ones. But actually, as I, was preparing, um, as I was preparing for this talk, I was like, Lord, what are the deep revelations of your heart that you want to reveal? And he literally said, fasting is to make you hungry. And I was like, okay, we'll start from there. And one of the things that I carried, I don't know about you, I have all these preconceptions, these presuppositions about what fasting is, what it should be, how often you should do it, how long it should be, all of these things. Um, But I wanted to go back specifically to biblical fasting and understanding what this book, the Word of God, if you didn't know, the Word of God, capital W, what this book says about fasting. And we're gonna read the scriptures together in just a minute, so we're gonna stand. But just let me start with this. Our culture in this moment, if you're on social media, you'll know this. If you are involved in anything to do with um, social media platforms or involved with anything, we numb so much pain in our lives by filling ourselves over and over and over and over again with information. We are, did you know, this is a really fun stat. So we get more information. If you read the New York Times from cover to cover, you will have more information given to you in, your, in, in the amount of time it takes you to read that than someone in the 1700s had in their whole life. Their whole life. And so we live in an information overload age. And what happens is, is that we fill our lives, we fill our hearts and our souls and our minds with all this information. Newcastle beat Man United 1-0, powerful, amen. But I'm just saying like there's, there's something that we need to understand that when we are talking about fasting, we live in an anti-fasting culture. Not deliberately, it's not like set itself up to be that, but we are obsessed with gathering information about each other, about the latest celebrity thing, about whatever it might be. And friends, I wanna say to you today, before we read the scripture and stand together, fasting is simply this, emptying yourself of the things that distract you away from the true sustenance, the true bread of life. His name is Jesus Christ. So when we fast, when we give up food or we abstain from other things, we need to understand that we are not just emptying ourselves like Eastern spiritualism, 
like yoga or any of those practices that seek to empty your mind or your body, if you do that, my suggestion to you is if you don't fill yourself with Jesus, you're leaving yourself in a really vulnerable position to be filled. You wanna know who you're filled by, amen? And so actually, as we think about what it looks like for us to fast, here's the principle. We are emptying ourselves. Biblically, it revolves around food, but we can have the abstinence in other areas of our lives as well. And we are going deliberately, stirred by the hunger in us physically, to the one who will then fill us with the true bread of life. You guys okay? So that's the foundational principle. We empty ourselves of something, in this context, food, in order that we give space to the Spirit to change our lives internally, even though we may change slightly externally and lose a bit of weight. Is that okay with you guys? So that's the foundational principle, but stand with me. We are gonna read Matthew 6, 16 to 18. If you're visiting us, we stand when we read the Word of the Lord because we are a spirit church. We are a church and a house of prayer, but we are also a church of the Word of God, amen? And we're gonna honour the Word in this place. This is what Matthew 6, 16 to 18 says. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting truly. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. You can grab a seat. And this is, this is really neat. I, so I love like geeking out a little bit. Will you geek out with me just for a second? So 1200 was about the time they put chapters and verses in the Bible. Before then, there was no chapter and verses. The monks did quite a good job because we've kind of kept the majority of the chapters and verses, the numbers in your Bible from 1200. Some have shifted over time, but the majority are the same. So they did a good job. But before this point, everyone would have read this sermon as one long sermon. You guys understand what I'm saying? And so there is a thought break between Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, which is why these are really helpful and really useful to help us to read. Matthew 5 is about the true meaning of the law and Matthew 6 is all about the spiritual practices that come out of being faithful to God. So the three things that we find in Matthew 6 are giving, prayer, and fasting. All three of them are highlighted as spiritual principles. And the foundation that Jesus talks about of all these spiritual principles, including fasting, is this. If you do those things in secret before God, your reward is God himself. Steve said last week that Jesus makes a play on words in some of these sermons that he, pre that he preaches so when he says the hypocrites or the Pharisees, who by the, by the way get a very hard time in Matthew 6, the hypocrites, the Pharisees, he says that because they do it for the praise of man, they are graven, they're ashen, and they want people to praise them, their reward is given to them in full in that moment by men. But if you are the one who goes into your secret place and while you're fasting puts oil on your head and actually doesn't look ashen, then what happens is, is the, that God sees you and instead of your reward being a temporal and specific momentary thing from the praise of people, you get the ultimate reward, which is Yahweh himself. So 
So Jesus is highlighting here some phenomenal things about spiritual practice, including fasting, that it is not about you. It's not about what you look like. It's actually not about your external change. It's about what goes on inside you that will bring the transformation of your life as a result. You guys okay? Powerful. And so when Jesus is looking, particularly at fasting, he wants it to be very clear to people. Fasting is not if, it is when. Rock and roll. One of the things that I realised um, in my life, listen, I, I'm, a, I'm a gym rat, really. Like, I love the gym. I, I can't help it. I just don't have enough time to go anymore um, with all the kiddlywinks. But actually, what I found when I was talking to God about fasting is that I avoid fasting. And it's because I'm pretty vain, actually. It was quite a convicting moment for you. I'm not trying to be funny, by the way. It's genuinely true. Um, I was worried, and, I, and I'm, I had to lay this down as I was preparing this talk. I was worried that actually, if I fasted more regularly than I did, I would lose muscle mass and I'll be less attractive. I'm just being real. Just being real. Um, I'm glad that's funny. It's not funny to me. <laughs> I'm laying my soul bare. But actually, one of the things that I've realised that I have to lay down is my vain pursuit of sustenance about how people view me in my body. Did you hear what I said to you? Oh, good. When I was in the last six months before I got married to Jess, we've been married 11 years, been together 16 years. Powerful. Hey, can I tell you something? It's really easy. No, no. <laughs> Stay on topic, amen. What was I saying? When I was six months before I got married, what happened was, is that I realised I was super skinny. And I put my, you know, like you, we had Moss Brothers back in the day. I don't know where you hired your suits from. No, you guys buy them now. It's an expensive thing, a wedding now. We hired our suits for 100 quid each from Moss Brothers. And basically, I put my suit on and I realised that it was basically engulfing me like a cape. And what I needed to do is I wanted to put on some muscle so that when we went on honeymoon to Malta, where we were going to have um, sun and sit by the pool, I wanted to look a bit better than my skinny beanpole self. I used to run four miles in 16 minutes. I was quite an athletic cross-country runner back in the day when I, was, when I was a kid. And I was literally like this. My dad's the same, my brother's the same. If we don't like, really like, try and put on weight, it's really hard. When I started playing football, I had to do 5,500 to 6,000 calories a day to try and put weight on. Now, I'm not boasting, I'm just saying it's hard for me. For other people, it's hard, hard the other way around, and I get that. But actually, for me, what I realised was is that as I went on this journey, I wanted to become something that I was not yet. So I had to change what I did in order to become that thing that I wanted to be. So here's the deal. It's the same with fasting. I had to lay down my morning routine, get up an hour earlier, maybe stop playing Driver 2 on PlayStation 2 before I went to work, you know? I'm saying you had to change a route. You guys don't even know what Driver 2 is, do you? It's so old. But actually, you had to change a routine that isn't necessarily bad or sinful, but you lay it down in order to pursue the thing that will bring you real life and real sustenance. In this case, press-ups, sit-ups, and a protein shake. My question to you is, what routines do you have in your life? 
What things are there in your life that the Lord is calling you to lay down, not because they're bad or because they're sinful, but because they're actually a distraction away from the thing that he's calling you to? And what is it that the Lord is saying to you to lay down and to pick up the true sustenance of Jesus Christ? Because when I took my eyes off PlayStation 2 and instead put my eyes on Jess, who was my bride, who was already very good looking and I was punching big time, just so you know. 95% of men know what I mean in this room. You're, like when you go out with someone and you're a dude, you're normally punching. It's incredible. It's a gift of God to us. But actually what happens is, is that I, my focus was on my bride, was on the thing that I was pursuing and I wanted to be the best I could be for her as opposed to the best that I could be for myself. So I emptied myself of a routine that wasn't necessarily bad in order to prioritise a routine that would get me wedding ready. And as we fast, you need to understand that you are emptying yourself of food or abstaining from something else in order to be filled by the one who will be able to transform you. And instead of having your eyes focused on the thing that distracts you, even though it's not sinful, you then get to have your eyes on the prize of Jesus Christ in your life, who is your true sustainer and the bread of life. Which bread are you eating? We also know that fasting, Jesus is really clear about this as well, but also fasting is not like a consistent thing. You know that? Like if you fast all the time, you will die. So don't do that. You need to eat food. Amen? Praise God. But actually, for the temporary time that you are fasting, whether it is seven days or 40 days, 40 days is the biblical maximum, just so you guys know, and there are certain remits that you can put around that which actually mean that it's a doable and achievable thing. But the temporary nature of fasting is in order that you will be able to focus for that period of time, not on the food, but on the food. Not on the bread, but on the bread. And so when we talk about fasting, you are being emptied of something in order that you can perceive and pursue the thing that will bring you true and sustained sustenance. What's really interesting is, is that in this context that Jesus speaks about, oh, we are doing well on time as well. In this context that Jesus speaks about, he's actually highlighting the Pharisees, not just as people that misapply fasting, but as hypocritical. In other words, people that do the opposite of what fasting should achieve. Why? Because when the Pharisees fasted, they would, they, Pharisees fasted two days a week. Um, I think it was a Tuesday and a Friday. I think it was to do with when Moses ascended the... Mount Sinai and then came down. Um, and so they fast either side of that. That was, what the, that was the Pharisaical tradition of fasting. And they fasted twice a day, a week, I'm sorry. And the whole purpose of their fasting was not so that they would be internally changed, but it's so that they would look externally different so that people could see how spiritual they were. Jesus is saying that is hypocritical. It's not just wrong, it's hypocritical. Why? Because actually they are leading people down the garden path in terms of what spiritual discipline is for. Spiritual discipline is not for you. It's not about you. It's actually about Jesus coming to change you from the inside out so you look more like him. Fasting is about him, not about you. Don't count the cost of giving up food. Count, pay the price for getting to know Jesus. And the purpose of fasting is not so that you can get your reward in full from the people in front of you who think that you're spiritual or amazing. It's so that you can get your reward from God, who is the unseen one, 
and your reward would therefore be him and nothing else. What are you sacrificing in your life to not have him as your inheritance? What is it that you will lay down to turn towards your true sustenance? And there are three really powerful purposes behind fasting, and I'm going to go through them really briefly because I want to give you some practical outworking as well, okay? So in this context, as we talk about fasting, um, just so you guys know as well, we are going to go um, 2nd, 3rd, 4th of January, we're going to fast the new year in. Do you know why? It's not because we're trying to make everyone corporately hungry. I mean, we kind of are. But actually, what we're trying to do is that we're trying to go as a body of Christ together to see what God has got for us in the new year. Hey, let me tell you something. When you fast, you aren't just fasting to see an answer to prayer. You are fasting to have the one who answers your prayer inhabit you, which is a very different principle. If you're praying and you're fasting and you're listing all of the things that you need to happen and you're fervently praying, well done, amazing, powerful. But that isn't what fasting is actually for. Fasting is so that you can receive the inheritance of Christ in your life, the spirit in your life that begins to align your prayers in a way that isn't defined by you and your needs, but is defined by God and what He sees and what He wants as He, in, as he um, inhabits your life. And then your prayer changes to bring about the change in circumstance you're looking for quicker. I really hope I made sense. It felt like a mouthful. What I'm saying is, is that when we're praying and fasting, we are not simply fasting for an answered prayer. We are fasting so that we can be infilled with the Spirit who will guide our prayers and see the acclamation of our prayers come quicker. There is something really powerful to know that fasting and prayer come together, not on the basis that it makes you more spiritual or more, or more hungry or on the basis that you are suddenly somehow um, striving even harder to get the answer that you want. That's not the purpose. You will receive it, but it's not the purpose. The purpose is that you get to go in line with God, pray the things on His heart, and then see what He wants to happen in your life, not just what you want to happen in your life. Very different principle. So when you fast, lay down your list and ask Him to come, inhabit your life, and then pray as He leads because you will see the transformations of your life and those who you hold influence over, you will see the transformation of the world around you. And there are three things that happen when we pass, when we fast. Number one, fasting is not if, it's when. So my question to you is, when are you next going to fast? Hey, don't do it at Christmas, it's all right, it's all right. Don't do it at Christmas. But when are you next going to fast? Because actually, there is a biblical command to fast that isn't simply a suggestion. It is an assumption of Jesus Christ. In fact, John's disciples in Mark chapter 2, wait, let me check that. Mark chapter... Oh, I've missed it. Mark chapter 2, 18 to 20, John's disciples come to Jesus and say, how is it that we're fasting and your disciples aren't? And he says this, why would they fast when the bridegroom is with us? With them, why? But when the bridegroom goes away, they will fast. And so the assumption from both the Matthew 6 that we read, the scripture in Matthew 6, and also Mark 2, is that fasting is the assumption that Jesus has that you will live in your life. 
So it's not if, it's when. So when are you next going to fast? The second thing is this. It's a regular practice in your life. It's a regular thing that as you walk your journey with Christ that you do. David does it in desperation in Psalm 36 when he is desperately trying to see his enemies defeated. So fasting is a response to a desperate situation. Moses fasts when he goes up Mount Sinai. Jesus fasts when he looks to overcome the devil in the wilderness. So he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. This is a fun story, by the way. He goes into the wilderness, guided by the Spirit, spends 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying, and then the angels come and the Bible says he was hungry, which is the greatest understatement, I think, of the, of the New Testament. But actually, he spends 40 days and then he goes out in the power of the Spirit. He goes in guided by the Spirit, but comes out in the power of the Spirit. Why? Because he has emptied himself to the point where there is nothing left apart from the Spirit to come and he's being projected into his ministry as a result. So when you are fasting, there is absolutely no doubt the Spirit will guide you when to do it. But just so you know, on the journey of fasting, you will not just be guided out of the wilderness or out of the fast, you'll be um, brought out of the fast in the power of the Spirit to re-pursue and recalibrate your destiny and identity and the pursuit of Jesus in your life. So it's a regular thing. So when you are looking for direction, when you are looking for something where you're trying to figure out, hey God, I need to hear you here, you fast in order that you empty yourself and then the Spirit comes into those gaps in your life and then He leads you and guides you and empowers you to walk in the power of the Spirit into your destiny. That's the second thing. And the third thing is this. Fasting is all about internal change, not external change. When you fast, you might lose a couple of pounds, but it's not the point. So if you're fasting to lose weight, you probably just shouldn't. That's not fasting. It's just called weight loss, right? And there's something powerful to know that as we fast, we will change externally. But the purpose of the external change is to point inwardly so that we can change inwardly and be transformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. So when we're fasting, we're not striving to become a spiritual person. We are allowing space for the Spirit to come to guide us and empower us to walk in the destiny and the trajectory that our calling has for us in our lives. When we do this regularly, and when we understand that there is a regularity to how we walk and how we fast with, with Jesus Christ at the center, there is a very, very powerful outcome, which is this. Your life becomes centered around the presence of God, not around your need. Your life becomes centered around the one who is coming to inhabit your being, not the circumstances that, drew, that drove you to fast in the first place. Fasting is a very important and very necessary part of our lives. And I do not do it enough, if that helps anyone in any way. Like I probably fast like once a year tops. And that's because we all do it, right, in January. So I'm saying, I'm still learning this journey and I'm still trying to figure out what does it look like for me to fast. But when we fast, we will receive God as our reward. What do you need to lay down to see God come into your life as your reward. 
I'm going to finish with one story, then I'm done. I played football a lot when I was a kid. I was pretty decent, not anymore. Cressy will tell you. But actually, there's something powerful for my life when I was a student that I was dictated to by the terms of football, when it was who I was playing with, 11 aside, five aside, seven aside. Trust me, I played nearly every day. On top of that, I gotta tell you, I wasn't like the nicest footballer, you know? Like I wasn't, I wasn't like the greatest example of Christ when I was playing on the football pitch. I don't know if I'm the only one. I can't be, surely. You know, Christian, Christians men, Christian men's league, like Christian people, like it's our men's only chance to get rid of aggressions on the football pitch, you know that? So we have to be like, it's really like chilled, calm people because we're Christians. And then you get on the football pitch and you're like, ah! And actually there's something for me when I stopped, when I thought actually that my life was being dictated to by football far more than it was being dictated to by the Lord. And I felt a conviction in my life. The Lord said, hey, not only are you not a great person when you play, also you are establishing a routine and a pattern around football, not me. Friends, what patterns, that are, are, what patterns are established in your life that are not around God? What patterns in your life are, not, are established around something else that distracts you from him? And so I gave up football. Gave it up. Until I got to a point where I realised that my foundational cornerstone in my day was not 5.30, 7.30 or 11.30 a.m. because those were the kickoff times. Actually, the foundational cornerstone of my day was the first thing in the morning and last thing at night when I read, and prayed my, read the Bible and prayed. And when I had that in place, I reintroduced football in a measured and balanced way in order that I did not step into the same dysfunction as I had before but also that football is not a bad thing. So I reintroduced something that wasn't negative, was good for my health, good for my, blood, good for my life, in balance with what the Lord was speaking to me about. Fasting is temporary, and then you reintroduce the thing you fast in order that you know that you've conquered it. You abstain for a period of time because that means that you have not let it have any power in your life, and then you reintroduce it when you found the balance in your life, centered around God, the infilling of the Spirit and His direction, and then you bring the thing that you've given up into the direction of Christ in your life. Friends, when we fast, we are bringing ourselves into alignment with Jesus Christ, His purposes and His destiny. We are being filled with the very presence and the very Spirit of God. And as a result, we are changed internally and transformed into the likeness of he who created us. And everybody said, amen. Stand, I'm finished, thank you.